0: Welcome to The Pursuit of Life, where we share inspirational and
1: action-focused stories to help you live a life of adventure. Proudly presented by Knightswood House. Now, please welcome your host, David Hazelwood. Hi, and welcome to The Pursuit of Life. This is episode number 10, and my name's Dave Hazelwood, and I'm excited to have you joining me today because today we're meeting my special guest, Patrick McNamara. Patty's one of those incredibly generous people you bump into within the running community. He's built his life and his career around running. He's a physio with iMove Physiotherapy, and he works with at least six different running groups, providing coaching and advice to people to help them achieve their goals. He loves his running too, and pushes himself in training and competitions, ranging from park runs through to 100-mile trail races. In this episode, we explore the mental side of running, Paddy shares a run that went really badly and ended up with him pulling out of the race, lying in the bush in the middle of the night, waiting for a friend to come and rescue him. We talk about the strategies he uses to push through towards his goal when his mind and body tell him no more, and the challenge of knowing when this is the right approach, and when there really is a problem that means it's better to stop. For all the resources and tools mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at knightswood.com.au forward slash episode 10. Now, let's get into the interview. So we're joined today by Patrick McNamara of iMove Physiotherapy. So welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good to be here. That's all right. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. And I know we ran into each other a couple of weeks ago and uh, you were kind enough to warm up with me and then run away from me uh, as soon as the race went, the the race started. But um, I'm going to have to borrow your shoes, I think. Um, (laughs) It was a good warm up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh, clearly. Yeah. Uh, so, Pat, what I wanted to do is, um, yeah, is talk to you today, basically, about some of the things that you're doing because I know you're, uh, you know, you're one of the most generous blokes I know as far as running goes, and uh, and also one of the busiest. So, I just want to explore some of the things that you're doing, some of the things that you're involved in, and and kind mm-hmm. of why. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, for. For everyone else out there, and actually for me as well, because um, you know, I've never had this conversation with you, first question I want to ask is, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: Yeah, right. That's an interesting question. Um, I would firstly like to say astronaut, uh, because who didn't want to? But outside of that and playing realistic child, I definitely knew that I didn't want to be working Monday to Friday in a suit in the city just at a computer. I knew that I did not want to do that. I didn't know what, else, what that was going to involve, but I knew I wanted to do something where I was up and moving and standing and talking to people. I would have told you that in primary school. No idea what that was going to involve, but um, turns out I'm a physio and I, I do that. I'm always up and moving and walking around and haven't worn shoes to work in about six months, so it kind of suits me quite well.
1: Can I tell you, you don't have to wear shoes in an office as well, because even though I've actually got them on at the moment, I normally get around in just socks. So. It's good for you. Free the foot. <laughs> to the delight of people in the office. <laughs> so how did you end up in, uh, in physiotherapy? I left
0: school and I was studying engineering. I wanted to build bridges. Um, and whilst I was studying engineering, there was a lot of mathematics involved and I wasn't very really good at it and I was studying really hard. and really stressed and spending a lot of time at my desk, you know, hunched over and oh, all of a sudden I started getting this really, really sore neck and I was stressed and I wasn't really enjoying what I was doing at uni. So um, I kept complaining about it and as an 18-year-old, mum said, Pat, why don't you go see a chiro? Apparently chiros are good for necks and backs and that sort of thing. So I said, oh, okay, I'll um, I'll go see a chiro and I had a really positive experience. He um, He really did wonders for my neck and my back and I felt great and whilst I was quite, disenchanted with engineering. I was fascinated by what this Cairo is doing to me. And I thought I I just thought about it. Someone walks into his clinic, he does his thing on them and they walk out happier with less pain. And I thought that's pretty wicked. That's pretty magical. So I dropped out of engineering and did a degree in Cairo. And it was through my Cairo studies I knew I really enjoyed it, but I didn't love Cairo. Um and then I had the opportunity to switch from Cairo to Physio and so I've just done my masters of that and um, that's kind kind of how I ended up here, um, and it certainly feels right. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so um, you've just done a masters, obviously. Um, what sort of people are you generally working with? Are you working with um, kind of athletes generally, or who do you who are your patients? The
0: patients. Yeah.
1: Um, we
0: tend to see people who like to move and be active. Um, I would say the main. Type of person that comes in is someone who likes to move, likes to be active, likes to get about their day and do things and achieve things with their life. And they tend to come and see us when they've got something that stops them from moving or stops them from exercising or achieving their goal. That's probably the main uh, cohort of people we see in here. Um, for myself, that tends to be a lot of runners, which is fantastic. I I love um, love getting to work with runners. It just means I chat about running all day. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I can relate to that. Quite lucky in my clinic that we. Yeah, I suppose our clinic tends to attract the more active um, clientele, I suppose, which really, really suits me. Absolutely.
1: Okay. And so, outside of your day job, as I said, I know you're you're the busiest man in running because how many Uh, running groups do you organise, participate in, coach? or generally just get involved with?
0: Oh, plenty. <laughs>
1: um, uh, so my main one would
0: be the, iMove run club. So I, the clinic I work at is called iMove physio and we ourselves have our own run club. It's just a very, very social Wednesday night interval training session. You come on down, you get your intervals in, and you might go to the pub afterwards. So that's probably the main one. Every Wednesday night we do. I also coach for, uh, for Cantu, which is a fantastic organization. They, raise quite a lot of money for cancer research. Um, So I've coached a whole bunch of runners through Cantu to run uh, half marathons. So we train up for the half marathon in Sydney in May and then the Blackmoors one in September as well. So um, I work pretty close with Cantu for most of the year. Aside from that, I'm a part of the Sydney Striders Running Club. I run with Sydney Harbour Runners on a Tuesday. Occasionally I'm part of the Sydney Trail Crew. Um, Oh, God, there's got to be more um i'm sure there's more anyhow there's always four or five different running groups that are, i get around with most days of the week and also i can't forget uncle dave's development squad shout out to coach dave kennedy <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> training up some of our <laughs> some of us as well oh fantastic okay so obviously there's a lot of people that you're coaching there as well as well as your own um yeah. You know, the training that you're doing for, for your own game as well. Mm. What um, I, How do you manage to juggle all of that? Because you know, I know you're a pretty good runner in your own right and obviously you're you're training for, uh, I think it's Gold Coast at the moment, you're training for?
0: Yeah, i got Gold Coast in a couple of weeks coming up, so training very hard for that,
1: yeah. So by the time this goes through, you'll probably uh, have smashed your PB based on the, the training that you're doing at the moment? Oh, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> I'm, I'm touching wood with two hands right now. <laughs> But how do you manage to, yeah, how do you find the time to um, kind of do your physio work, do your own training, which is, yeah, how, much, how much are you running a week these days just um, for your
0: own training? Uh, I'm starting to, I'm peaking for my Gold Coast training, so I'm getting up to about 100k's a week. Okay. Um, there or thereabouts, varying on the week, but that's probably
1: five or six runs a week, yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, you've got all the coaching and the, yeah, and I know the coaching also involves you running a lot as well. Um, yeah, yeah. With and, and things like that. So how do you find yourself juggling all of this? It? Um,
0: it, it's tricky. It's not easy. I think you've got to, if you want to do well in running, for myself, I've had to make it a priority. So I've just had to plan it and make it a priority for myself. Um, I, once I've made it a priority, I find it quite easy to lock a run in so I'll say, right, this evening I'm going to go to bed at 9.30 so that I can get up at 5 the next morning and go for a quick 10K before work that day. And it's just getting chunks in there when you know you can. So I've got my guaranteed Wednesday night run club every every week and occasionally after that I'll do a quick lap around our bay so sneak in an extra seven or eight kilometres there. Um, I'm a big fan of the morning run before work on a weekday. Um, that's how I get a lot of my running in and every single Sunday morning for the last eight nine ten weeks have been uh, running with some mates getting our long runs in for gold coast so for me it's about making it a priority i it's quite easy to fall into the trap of going out on a saturday night and having a couple of drinks and therefore you're not inclined to get up on the sunday morning to run but if you make the sunday run a priority then that's how your weekend unfolds and i, I tend to get my sunday long run in that way but um for me it's about making it a priority and just getting to bed early and giving yourself the time to get up in the morning before work that's what has been working for me really well
1: yeah okay and what, um, so besides, let me think, It's probably two questions. So one, what motivates you to train and compete, and, you know, to make, the, to make running a priority? I think
0: it comes back to you just have to really enjoy it. I would quite happily just walk, put the shoes on, walk out the door and just go for two hours with no focus on where I'm going, no focus on what time it is or what pace I'm running or anything. I just... Love the feeling of running. I think just the the feet hitting the grounds, the wind in your hair, whatever you want to call it. But it's it, there's a degree of freedom involved in it, and you can quite often find yourself almost in a meditation-like mindset as you're running. So I just purely love the feeling of running, and once you string together a few runs if you get to the point where you can run three times a week then all of a sudden it starts to feel a bit easy you just feel yourself getting a bit fitter and that feeling itself it just kind of spirals and multiplies on top of itself so you enjoy the feeling of running you get fitter it becomes easier it becomes more fun and then you start to make some friends with running as well so quite a lot of my social circles are now runners so if someone says hey like let's go for a run this afternoon Then you think beauty, it's, it's my exercise. It's my, it's my release. It's my freedom. It's my positive mindset. And I'm running out, running with friends. Like there's so many factors that all contribute. So for me, it's, there's no ever, there's no ever lack of motivation. I, it's just something I want to do. It's my hobby. Um, so I'm yeah, lucky that I have a lot of friends like to do it as well. The fact that it's a social thing on top makes it quite (laughs) easy. And then once you've established all this, you feel yourself getting fitter and you might do a race here and there and you see your times increase and there's a certain satisfaction with that. So then you, you kind of want to train a bit harder and see if you can get that time a little bit quicker. And there's just that added layer of, and you know, that extra motivation to do it as well. So I never struggle for motivation.
1: Um, yeah, it's just something I love to do. Cool. And what about when you're coaching other people? Cause that's, that's a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, what do you get out of that?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I like to talk about running. I like to do <laughs> running. I like to help other people run. And I think it's, it's part of my work as a physio and a coach. Seeing someone else enjoy running is really, really deeply satisfying. To make a change to someone or to encourage them to run or just to help them get out the door is really, really re- rewarding because we know how good running is for you. So to help other people do that is more rewarding than I thought it would be. Uh, as a coach, it's really, really great to see other people enjoying it and see other people satisfied with their times getting lower and see other people satisfied with losing five kilos. It's really cool to help
1: them on that journey. And What's been some of your biggest coaching wins then? Like who are some of the people that you look back on and you look at, you know, kind of where there's not necessarily the, the times that they've got, mm. um, but kind of where they started from and what they had to go through to, to where they are now, where they ultimately got to. Yeah, what's some of your proudest uh, achievements there? I think if we go
0: back two days ago, a mate of mine beat me in a race. And initially I thought, far out, like, damn it, I'm, like, I haven't got him anymore. But then I thought, this time 12 months ago, he was running the same event, like 15, 20 minutes slower. And we've run together quite a lot and he's come along to our Wednesday night run group. and. Um, He's put the hard work in and I've kind of helped him along with bits of advice and physio work here and there, got him to the point where he beat me. And for me, that was, I was proud of him, but I was, I was yeah, it's like that was cool kind of thing. So you get, I get satisfaction from really good runners getting even better. Yep. The, if you flip it to the complete other end of the spectrum, I've coached a lady who initially, uh, she really, really, really struggled to run three kilometres at a pace that most of us would walk. It was really quite difficult for her, and she the other day was able to run eighteen kilometers more or less nonstop. Wow. Again, at a pace that you and I would consider, you know, nothing much, bit of almost almost our walk, but she ran eighteen kilometers nonstop. To take someone from three kilometers and never ever having run once before um, to get to that sort of distance is really cool as well. And to see what that means to to those people who well, always just absolutely huge. And there's everyone in between that as well. Everyone has their own goals, whether it's shaving five, five minutes off your half marathon or whether it's running 10Ks the first time ever. There's, as someone to, to coach and to mentor and to help people like that is, um, yeah, it's tremendous. It's really cool.
1: And it does not get old at all. Yeah. yeah, for sure. What do you find is the biggest challenge? So with people who are coming into running who are brand new, because yeah, we all – yeah. I've been running for for a number of years. Obviously, you have as well. And we all get hit with the question of, um, or, you know, we get hit with, oh, it's easy for you because you've been doing it for so long. Yeah, yeah. But everyone has to go through the same starting, you know, whatever your base level of fitness. But it's always hard when you start. And you always look at everyone else and think, yeah, I could never be there. Mm. I could never be like them. Yeah. I, what's your... What do you say to people? How do you respond when people throw that on you? And you?
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 completely foolish to compare yourself to other people with running. Like within the running groups that I coach, at can too. Half if half the people compare themselves to the other half of the people, we'd just have a horrible time. Because I, if I compare myself to the best runners in the world, it's easy for me to get down on myself and think I will never get there. I will never run a two hour, 10 marathon. And if that's my focus, yeah, I'll get quite disappointed with that. And I think it's quite stupid to compare myself to the elite runners in the world. I will never get there, but I'm cool with that. So I think when people start to say, Oh, you're so much better, or you've done this before or whatever, it's, it's, it's just, it's relative. (laughs) It's all relative. So you've got to kind of understand where you're at and set some goals and work towards achieving them. But if you compare yourself to other people along the way, it's just, it's not going to end well. You've, everyone's got their own set of circumstances, their own injuries, their own job, their own family, their own commitments, their own financial goals. Like you, I think just comparing to other people just doesn't work. You've got to work with what you want to achieve, what you want out of running. Um, so that's kind of how I approach that sort of situation. Yeah, if there's someone who's like slightly faster than you or slightly skinnier or whatever, then yeah, use that as your motivation to get that person um, But, yeah, everyone's on a different journey with running and everyone wants something different from it. Um, So it's all about where
1: you sit. Okay. Now, what have your – you've got some big races coming up, I know. So obviously you've got Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you've qualified or you've racked up enough points for uh, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc.
0: Yeah. So I've always got one or two things planned, something coming up. So I've got the Gold Coast Marathon coming up, so I'm shooting for a – the personal best there, so that's really for myself. It's it's the first time I've really set aside a good four or five months to train for one event. So I've always just I just tend to do races as they pop up, and I might focus my training for a couple of weeks here and there. But the Gold Coast Marathon coming up is the first time I've said, "Cool, we're we're five months out, and this is my race." And it's we're a couple of weeks out now, so um, things are looking good for that race for a bit of a personal best. So that's feeling good. Um, outside of that, it's, yeah, it's UTMB, Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc in Chamonix in uh, France. So we've racked up the points needed to enter the lottery to maybe get selected <laughs> to go into <laughs> UTMB. So we missed out on 2018. We missed out on the lottery, but I think we have something like a 90% chance to get selected in 2019 to go to France to run UTMB. So we've, we've qualified for
1: the lottery and we're in with quite a good chance. Um, so, so talk to me about um, the qualification process and also what, uh, you know, what UTMB actually represents. What, what is it?
0: Yeah, so UTMB, it's like the, it's like the, <laughs> it's like the granddaddy of all ultramarathons. If you're, if you're interested in ultramarathons and off-road ultramarathons in the bush and on trails and off-road, UTMB is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in the world. So it starts in Chamonix in France and it runs a 100 miles around the base of Mont Blanc through Switzerland, Italy and back into France. So it's the race that all the big guns go to in the world and it's got some pretty strict entry criteria. So to even apply to get into the lottery, to maybe get selected to run UTMB, to do that, you need to have um, fulfilled certain criteria, so uh, achieved qualifying points from doing other races. So you need... 15 ITRA points allocated across three races to qualify for the lottery. So to do that, we've had to run two different 100-kilometre races and a 100-mile race. So doing those three races and completing them and finishing them gave us enough points to enter the lottery to potentially get picked to run UTMB. So the first year of the lottery, we got these points, but we didn't get selected. But we have quite a high chance next year. I think they double your likelihood of getting in the following year. So it's, it's crazy to do all these events and all these runs to, ha- to just get the right to go into a lottery to maybe get selected. It's a pretty big deal. So it's kind of the – if we get in next year, it'll be sort of the pinnacle of my running career, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, okay. So what, are the, what were the races that you had to do? And talk to me about um, – you know, so you did UTA, so Ultra Trail Australia. Was that yeah. the first one? That was the second one. The first one was
0: the Tarawera Ultra Marathon in New Zealand. Um, so that's out of Rotorua, in New Zealand, and that was 102 kilometres. That was a spectacular, stunning course. So that was February last year. Then in May, we did the UTA 100K. And again, that was really, really good. Had a couple of mates that did that with me as well. And we attempted the GNW, so the Great North Walk 100-mile race. I got really, really, really sick and had to pull out of that at 70 kilometres in. Uh, I was quite feverish and really couldn't control my own body temperature. And when you're in the bush at night in the middle of nowhere with not much phone reception and it's cold and you're sick, it's not a great place to be. So (laughs) I had a um, a very scary evening that night trying to get myself safe. And um, it was quite interesting. Very, very quickly it went from, all right, I'm in a race. I need to focus and run here to, wow, like I, I need to survive and make sure I don't get into some serious trouble So that was a pretty close call. So that was uh, one of the first races I've ever had to pull out of. But then I recovered from that a couple of months later. I did the Hume and Hovel 100-mile ultra. That's in Tumbarumba, New South Wales. So I did that and finished that one in 30 hours, 30 and a half hours. So it was quite satisfying crossing the line for that race, knowing that I'd achieved the qualifying criteria for um, UTMB. So. It's been a that, that was all done in 2017, so that was a hell of a year.
1: Hi, it's Dave here with a quick word from our sponsor. Knightswood House is a financial advisory firm that specializes in working with successful business professionals who share a passion for endurance sports. People often come to us for one of three reasons. You aren't where you thought you'd be financially at this point in your life. Two, you seem to have no time to get a proper handle on your finances. And three, you may be annoyed that you're paying so much for life insurance to protect yourself and your family, but you're fitter and healthier than the average punter and you wonder why it costs you so much. Underlying all of this is often a concern that you may be wasting your opportunities and not maximizing all of your hard work. We have a five-step process we take you through, which will help you develop a plan you're confident will get you to where you want to be financially. Simplify your affairs and take much of the hassle off your hands and show how you can be rewarded for looking after yourself and your family. For more details, head to knightswood.com.au. Okay, back to the show. I know how much you love your running and you train hard and all the rest of it. So going, and it's probably not a race that you really like dwelling on, but you know, the gen, the Great North Walk, mm-hmm. you know, you go in all optimistic. You've gone through 70 Ks and you're feeling terrible mm. and you know, you've obviously got uh, I presume you've got people around you as well saying, Pat, this just isn't going to happen. Mm. Talk me through that. Having done a
0: couple of 100 kilometer races, I knew I had the fitness and I knew I could kind of get through it if, if I felt good on the day. But I, um I distinctly remember getting to the aid station at 50 kilometers and just thinking, no, nah, something is not right. This feels way harder than it should be. Um, so I, Took my time at the second aid station. And I was running with two mates, so um, Jacko and Steve as well. So there were three of us together. So we left the second aid station at 50Ks and I felt decidedly average. So we muscled on, got to about 60Ks. And it was it was probably late afternoon at this stage. And the other two guys were just wearing singlets and shorts running around. And it was it was quite a nice temperature, actually. I was wearing my thermals, my emergency jacket and my gloves and my buff around my head shivering, really, really, like almost uncontrollable shivering. And I thought, all right, this this isn't right. And it wasn't something that just running quicker could warm you up. So I was quite feverish and you break out into sweat and you take all your gear off and you get cold and you put it back on. It was kind of that for a few k's, And got to the point where we're about 65K in and we're just in the middle of the bush and I just couldn't go on. I was just sat down on a rock and thought, no, I am actually stuck here and I can't move and I'm cold and my body's shutting down. And so I had mates saying... Um, come on you can do it like come on come on like you know just muscle up man up come on you can do this and I I just knew it wasn't right so um, we sat down got the maps out and I thought okay where can we get somewhere you know where I can get some support crew access to come and pick me up and take me off this course and you, there wasn't really no car access to where we were so I'm sitting there getting quite worried and the sun's starting to go down and Anyway, we got to about 70 kilometres and there was a a point where you could turn off the road and um, head, like they turned right and followed the course and I turned left and um, headed off on my own for a few kilometres. And that was probably the scariest experience I've had almost in my whole life is leaving my friends and being by myself really sick and cold in the bush at night, not knowing where I am and hoping that I can find a road where someone can come and pick me up. That was very, very quickly. It went from a running race to... Okay, let's not die. I got to a road and was able to phone my friends and say, this is where I am. Can you come and pick me up? So I sent them a text. I said, can you come and pick me up? They said, yeah, yeah, sweet. We've got you. We've got your location. We'll be there. We'll we'll leave now. We'll head there now. I said, cool. Awesome. I've got help coming. And then they said, so Google Maps is saying an hour. (laughs) 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 So I'm standing there like, you know, shivering uncontrollably, wearing my emergency warm clothes that they tell you to pack. And uh, it's nighttime and I just went into survival mode and it was windy and cold. So I thought, all right, I got to, I have to survive. Like I, I have to survive. And my brain just went into that mode. It was, I've never had that experience before. So I crawled down into the bushes and wrapped my emergency space blanket around me and just laid there waiting and just hoping that someone would come soon. Now I left my head torch on while I was laying in the, about 15 meters deep in the bush to get away from the wind. And about 45 minutes later, I a car drove past and he obviously saw my headlamp in the bush and pulled over and shouted out, oh, mate, are you all right? And I looked up and I went, no, I'm not. <laughs> so he actually, like to his credit, he, he put me in his car and he wrapped a couple of blankets around me and, um, and started saying, like, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> do you need help. And uh, I said, yeah, I think my mates are coming. So I should be right. And he actually waited with me for five or 10 minutes until my friend Adam rocked up and, saw me in this car and picked me up. And when I got into his car, I knew I was kind of safe because I had some mates around me. That was, that was pretty cool. So he dropped me to the next aid station, uh, which would have been at the hundred kilometer mark. And we we're expecting all three of us were expected to run in at about that time. But I walked in from the other direction. Oh, wow! blanket wrapped around me. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very nice to get back to the aid station and have some warm soup to bring me back to life. But, um, it was very scary, yeah, very, 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 very scary at that point.
1: But, yeah, uh,
0: thanks. Thankfully, uh, my mates were able to come and pick me up and get me through it. But, yeah, that got real deep real quick. That did.
1: And it's interesting because the the whole ultra environment is very different to road racing, from what I understand. Because oh, obviously, yeah, yeah, you know, because you've got your support crew, and you know, some of them might pace you, some of them might be out there, you know, providing you with nourishment and food and and all that sort of stuff at the a stations and things like that so that's for people who've never done that and you know i've done six foot but i've not done um, anything longer than that so tell me about that a little bit yeah well um for for a race for a running race which is
0: technically a, a solo sport it's very very much a team effort i couldn't imagine doing a hundred mile event by myself You need people to run with you. So you need some friends doing the event with you or you need someone to go and pace you on course for a section of it. And you certainly need your friends there at the aid station, someone to give you some kind of support. They might not physically do much. Yeah, they might fill up your water bottles and give you some food, which is lovely, but them just being there and offering encouragement and just knowing that someone's looking for you and waiting for you makes a world of difference. When you're out there in the bush at night, and you've been going for 24 hours, it makes a world of difference knowing that someone is there waiting for you, cheering you on and, and just helping you. So doing that on your own would be next to impossible. Uh, that's almost a scary thought to go and do a hundred miles by yourself. But when you've
1: got people with you,
0: uh, it's, it's definitely a team effort. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I suppose the other thing they can do for you, I saw the, uh, the footage of you and Jacko crossing the finishing line at uh, UTA with um, <laughs> with some refreshments. <laughs>
0: yeah. So your, your um, support crew are there to help you celebrate as well. <laughs> so my uh, our mate our mate Steve, big Steve Peel, um, when we came up to cross the finish line at the UTA, he was there in the finishing chute down on one knee holding up two tins of VB for me and Jacko to come and grab... <laughs> as we ran across the finish line so there we are <laughs> after 100k's of running through the bush grabbed a can of E V, stood across the finish line cheered and sculled it <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and that's I'm what you su- support crews for
1: i <laughs> oh, i got to say though i think you guys missed a trick you should have um, got you know the belmain brewery or something like that and uh, you know being local boys and and, uh, and working around Belmont, you should have got them to sponsor you at least. Well,
0: we're still plugging away to get VB to sponsor us. So if you're listening, Carlton United Breweries, I wouldn't mind a bit of a bit of a sponsorship here and there because VB is God's milk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it!
0: Yeah, <laughs> and you know you do have to rehydrate after a run. You have got to get your carbs and your and your hydration back in. So it's it's sensible to have about ten beers after
1: a race. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly too. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, so tell me one thing, um, you know, we spoke about what it's what the world looks like when everything goes pear-shaped. Yes. <laughs> um, and when you're in a when you're in a race, doesn't matter how long the race is, at some point it feels like it's going pear-shaped your body and your mind is just telling you this just hurts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, stop hurting me now. How do you, one, how do you tell the difference? <laughs> and two, how do you um, switch that off?
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest challenges of running. I think anyone who's run at all ever has been at that point where you get to a certain distance or or whatever it may be, whether you're four kilometres into a six kilometer jog around the park and you think oh, i'm really tired or whether you're 39 kilometers into a 42 kilometer marathon you get to that point you're like this hurts this sucks and that's that's kind of the beauty of running that's why not a lot of people well, not many people go and do a marathon because it's hard and it hurts and you get to that point and it's really really difficult so yeah it gets that point and it's mental the thing i love about it is Everyone gets to a point where they think, all right, I'm done. I have to stop because I'm done. I'm so fatigued. I have to stop. But you can give that person a thousand bucks and say, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you go and sprint 400 meters and they do it. You would, you can do it. No matter how tired you are, you can do it. Or if there's a lion chasing you, you will run more. So knowing that, I think you can overcome fatigue if you try hard enough. So it's almost a bit of a mental game saying acknowledging the fact that you're fatigued and saying yes this hurts this sucks my legs are about to fall off i am so tired but you almost have to transcend that and say cool like i know i can physically do it if i tell my legs to keep doing it so it's hard and it takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of guts but you can do it you can overcome fatigue if you really really focus and practice on it and do it a lot So it's hard. And that happens in a park run where you're doing 5K and you're just going too fast. It happens then. It happens in a half marathon. It happens when you're 28 hours into a 100 mile race. It's fatigue and it's your body trying to prevent you from doing further damage, but you can overcome that, that mechanism for sure. Something I tell a lot of my runners is run with your legs. And when your legs give up, run with your mind. And when your mind gets tired, run with your heart. And if you think about that, you can keep going. You just got to
1: have the right headspace with it. Fantastic. I like that. Now tell me, what's your guilty secret? What's something that you know you should do but never seem to get around to doing? That's that's a tough one.
0: I think I say to everyone, and I think every runner should do some kind of body maintenance. The best version of that is to do two really good solid strength sessions a week. So do some kind of strength work on your legs, do some core workout. That's all preventative good stuff that all runners should do. On top of that, you've got to take care of your individual niggles. So whether that's you do, you know, you get your foam rolling done on your glutes because you know your glutes always chronically get tight or whether it's you make sure you stretch your calves or whatever it may be. So everyone has their individual Things they need to work on, as well as just general strength and well-being for being a runner. I think I'm in a unique situation because as soon as I feel a eagle or I feel a symptom, or I feel something, I instantly I I'm lucky because I know what that is straight away. So I can take these steps immediately to stop that blowing up into a big forest fire. I can just put out spot fires when they arise. So I do that largely with appropriate load management and a lot of strength work to prevent these things from happening in the first place. I'm Probably quite poor with doing a good cool down. I finish a run and I either just sit on my eyes or I grab a beer or I do whatever. I'm not really one for sitting on the foam roller for 15 minutes after a run. I should be better at that. I really should. Um, but I tend to, yeah, I tend to do a run and then the run's done and that's it. I'm done. I'm done for the day. That's me. I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty lazy in terms of recovery. That's probably my worst trait, I think. If I did a lot of foam rolling, I'd be a bit better. I think. I'll just say.
1: All right, we're gonna. I'm going to wrap it up in a second. Just let you go because I know. Um, yeah, unlike most days, you told me you started working at six this morning instead of going running at six. So yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll let you go soon, so you can get that run in.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> it's raining, but
1: I love it. <laughs> well, look, keep you cool. You either get wet because you sweat, or you get wet because you get rained on. So. yeah um, One of the things that I ask, what I want you to do is just have a think for a second um about a challenge that you can give to our listeners so you know, given uh possibly from your coaching or uh you know or whether it's the the mental games that you were talking about how do you that might be a good one actually how do you um suggest people go and practice their mental strength and uh some sort of challenge that they can do to that'll help them in races
0: yeah i think well what i said earlier and what i tell to all my runners when they're going for their long run or when they're going for a race is Run with your legs, first of all. When your legs say, no, we're done, then you run with your mind. You say, no, I'm stronger Mm -hmm. than that and I can keep going. And when your mind gives up, that's when you run with your heart, you know deep down that you can do this and you want to do this. So that's something to practice. Next time, whether it's you're doing your 5K park run or you're just going for a jog or trying to get your Sunday long run in or whatever it may be, when you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm tired, I might just call it a day, Acknowledge that and say, yep, that's my legs being tired. I'm going to override that and say, cool, now I'm running with my mind. My mind's stronger than my legs and I'm going to do that. When your mind gives in, go with your heart. So next time you're fatigued, try that. Know that, yes, you're fatigued, but you can override that.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, mate. Now, um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you um, or they want to uh, come down and see you at uh, one of your run clubs or Mm -hmm. get in contact with you for any other reason. What's the best way for them to do that?
0: Um, Yeah, probably through, well, first of all, the run club is at King George Park in Roselle in Sydney every Wednesday night at 630. You can just rock up to that. It's totally free. If you want to learn more about that, I move run club in one word on Facebook. I move run club or you can go onto the iMove Physio website and all the details are there. So I'm on, I guess, Instagram is iMove Physiotherapy or Pat Mac Physio on Instagram, or um, yeah, probably the website and Instagram are the easiest places
1: to get it done. Fantastic. We'll stick all that in the show notes as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. So let me know. I I I love everything to do with running, as you may have gathered. I like working with runners and helping them run better and achieve their goals.
1: And presumably people can uh, hit you up on Strava as well if they want to see the crazy things that you're doing. Oh, yes, definitely do.
0: Um, I don't know how you do Strava handles. Maybe just type in my name, however that works. (laughs) I don't know how Strava handles work there.
1: Uh, No, don't know. Yeah, Yeah, you can find people on that. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's been a pleasure. It's been good. Ah, wonderful. big thank you to patrick mcnamara for being an amazing guest on the show this week you can find out more about patty in the show notes at knightswood.com.au forward slash episode 10 and at imovephysio.com.au if you like this interview please share it with a friend we'd also love you to give us some feedback rate the episode on itunes and tell us what you thought and if there's a special guest you'd like to hear on the show in future let us know and we'll do our best to get them on thanks for joining us today I'm Dave Hazelwood, and you've been listening to The Pursuit of Life.
0: Thank you for listening to The Pursuit of Life. To learn more about how Knightswood House can help you live your life of adventure whilst planning your future, visit knightswood.com.au.